Let's get it! And now! And now! Fighting against the world! In this corner, we have Bit Dog, N O R E N S E O D I S. Did you forget how to spell your own name? N O R D. Welcome back. Mind Bully Podcast, a podcast focused on beating the hell out of your negative voice. I'm the host of this here podcast. If this is your very first time watching, <laughs> I know it's mine because literally this is the first video podcast episode. Hi. Thank you so much for tuned in. If you've listened before, if you never listened before, what we do here is we're focused on overcoming and beating the hell out of your negative voice. Whether I suppose a point in the camera your negative voice. I'm still a newbie at this. But whether you're, I think everybody has a battle. Everybody has a mental battle, whether you're trying to get to this next level, get this job, get to this position, overcoming that negative voice that says you can't do it, that says you won't do it, that says, why are you even trying to do it? That voice is what we do here. Overcoming that negative voice in the journey of the climb of where you're trying to go before I start preaching. That's what we do on this here show. And we invite individuals like yourself to come on and speak and share their stories. Vulnerability is power. And through this podcast, through these lives, through these stories, I know that their stories will help you overcome your negative voice. So thank you so much for tuning in and watching a first video podcast. Round of applause for you. You look good too, but I look better. I'm sweating because it's hot as hell in here. But now just... uh, I'm always like this, right? I always try to do a whole value production. Like, oh, I got it in. Like, bro, before this podcast, listen to me. (laughs) I've been trying to set up all the lighting from the little candle to this candle to switching the daylight temperatures to not having the ding because I'm using my countertop over here. If I not having everything show, I'm like, bro, just bro. (laughs) I ain't an expert. And part of this podcast is the journey of the climb to where we're going. That negative voice, that mind belief saying, Hey, my brother, you don't look like so-and-so podcast because I'm not one-on-one. God gave me this and blessed me with the opportunity to be the host of the Mind Bully podcast. And I'm grateful and thankful for the opportunity. And this is a lesson for me, knowing that uh, you don't try to be like anybody else. Step by step by step. Step to the one, to the two, to the oh. That's how you grow. And it's beating the hell out of that negative voice every single time you climb. And that's what I I guess I just showcased here. So thank you again. Let's get into this damn episode. Wait, pause right now. I've always wanted to do this first YouTube video. Please rate and review this podcast. Now subscribe for this podcast. If you like content, really focus on overcoming that negative voice. If you have a mental battle and you're focused on how does he, she, we, all of us overcome that negative battle together. Tune into this podcast. Rate and review means the most. So many hearts and homes can see what we're building here together. And I have cotton mouth now. Let's get into the episode. Guys, before I start this intro, I usually give some grandiose welcoming of my guests on this podcast. But honestly, for this episode, for this very guest, I'd be remiss to do that. This week's guest, professional basketball player Jerry Blakes. Now, I usually come with the intro of what he's done, where he's gone, professional basketball player, all the things that he's done in his life, the accolades. But the accolades only share one part of his story. The other side is one of the most inspiring, most powerful, moving stories that I think I've ever heard. Someone that has dealt with a lot, fought through adversity, lost loved ones, and is still fighting and with a mindset of growing, growing, growing each and every day from the injuries to the next days to the next country. It's a beautiful story and just a reminder that you can overcome your negative voice in anything and everything that you go through in this life. Jerry, I appreciate this and I hope you do too. Mr. Jerry Blake, welcome to the Mind Bully Podcast. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me, bro. No, for real. I think, bro, you're you're somebody that I wanted to have on the podcast, not only because uh, our situation uh, in Germany together, but you're a passionate guy, authentic. And I know that, you know, a lot of people can, you know, resonate with your story if they see your themselves and your story just a little bit and what you've, you know, been able to do with what you've been through. I think it's fire. Even me, like, you know, we played together like in preseason in Bamberg, like at a short stint. And I didn't even know all the things that you've been through in your life until I, you know, kind of did some research. And I'm like, man, like, 
I know nobody needs to be commended on how they live their life and what they've been through, but I'm just like, bro, that's love. What you've been able to accomplish, to be honest, like, like, I think it's huge. So again, thank you for coming on the show, bro. I appreciate that, man. I really do appreciate that. That's big, man. Uh, these moments like this right now, I, I wanted to be on the Mind Bully podcast also because uh, I've seen the platform and I've seen a lot of people uh, expressing themselves and and uh, I wanted to have a chance to do the same thing. And also, like you said, if someone could take something from my story uh, and help them, that'd be, that's, that's what life is all about. That's what life is. Thanks for having me. Bro. Love, bro. Anytime. I think a good stage setter for something like this is, is childhood because I think those are the real formative years, the years that you actually become this Jerry Blakes, who's a, a professional, this team, this team, who's able, you know, a father and, and to have a place for himself. It does start in childhood. So if you take me back, what was that kid like in Inglewood, that G? Man, that's a crazy question. For me, it's one of those things where um, you kind of know where you're going, but you don't know how you're going to get there. You know, that was kind of like the confidence that I had and the aura around me. But I would say as a kid, it, it looked more like mischievous or... You see me around. I was the kid in the city that you seen walking down the street. I was the kid at the park. I was the kid, you know, at the mall. Like, everywhere you go, you probably see me or, you know what I'm saying? It was one of those things, like, and uh, it's a blessing to look back at that because there was a lot of kids like me that didn't actually pan out or didn't really do something. So that kid was uh, guided, guided spiritually from my mom, Bell, guided spiritually from the foundation of my mom. But I was outside, man. I was outside when, trying to figure it out. When you say my mom had fives, when you it was when you say shit. mischievous, you you kind of looked up. You like I, you laughing like yeah, you were grounded. You have that guidance by your good foundation and your mother, which you will get into. But you also did some other things. What were those other things, and how were you? You were always outside. What was kind of behind your eyes? What did you see, and what did you not want to be a part of? What did you actually do? Like how was that becoming, you know, because it's different, you know, if you come up in an area, you know, a rural area, urban community, you see all types of things. But if you have a good foundation, you have a choice. So, you know, although you're not doing all the wrong things, sometimes you are. What was kind of your internal battle doing that? Man, like I said, I was guided spiritually. So I never went over overboard with anything that I did. But I was always like, let's say a risk taker. I was looking for opportunity, uh, let's say to 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 get to where I wanted to go. Like I said in the beginning, I knew where I wanted to go, but I didn't know how I was going to get there. So I was an open-minded guy. I would talk to people. Uh, I was like everywhere, you know. I never really did anything specific like uh, gang banging or nothing crazy like that, but, you know, still in the little kingdom. Yeah. Just try to get away with stuff. You know, in life as a kid, you try to see what you can get away with, you know. But uh, I never went too far in terms of doing something that ended up like changing my life, you know? So, but I've definitely had my rough patches, but nothing too crazy. Nah, literally like growing up and I'm thinking about myself, literally I was gangbanging, doing the wrong things. I remember, you know, even opportunities and, and stories that I regret where early on I have a twin brother. I'm making fun of my twin just to be cool in school. Like I'm, I'm a twin in the house, Nigerian household. I go to school. I try to be one of the fellas. It's just, you know, in that you're just trying to find yourself as a kid, knowing that okay. you have the values of your household. What was that parenting like? Like, what was your mom like to make you so grounded? What was the spiritual background, the things that she instilled in you at that age that made you different from your peers? Great question. And rest of love to my mom, rest of love to my sister and everybody. That's it's a big moment for me. But some of the things that she taught me, man, was be fearless, you know? But she didn't never use the term be fearless. It was more like, you could do all, I could do all things in Christ who strengthens me. But she made me say it until I believed it. You know, she made me say it until I had no choice but to understand what that meant, you know? She made me put on my armor. She made me do things that I didn't want to do, but she knew that it would benefit me in the long run. So... Uh, my mom also had me at 45 years old, meaning that it was like my mom and my grandma. So her wisdom was all she poured into me. I couldn't escape it. You know what I mean? And, uh, um, 
man, just thinking about her, she she did everything she could, and and that was the main thing she did was just keep me grounded in 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 Christ at the like, and the word died and all of that stuff. I mean, obviously now I have a broader perspective, but the but the core piece of it is is the belief and the faith in in God and the higher power and and believing in that. So that was what kept me grounded. Beautiful, bro. I think. You know, that's powerful when you have that. Um, you, you seldom see and you seldom realize in the time that it's my secret, you know, my superpower, having a mom, having a foundation that on faith that really builds me. And there's something behind everything that I'm going through that's actually working for me. You know, I don't have to walk around and try to do it on my own. Somebody actually got me in that way. And to be kind of reminded in that as a kid, I think that really does grow a belief in you. Like, okay, my mom says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. She make me recite it. I probably don't feel it, but like it does give you the mindset of, okay, I have an open mindset to what I want to do, the things I'm going to accomplish. Cause for me outside looking in, you're like, okay, a kid from the inner city, you know, you're just trying to figure it out, not doing some mischievous things, but not all the way. How are you so open-minded? Because like if I was behind the eyes of Jerry Blake's, I'm just like, shit, I only know what I see. Like, what was it in you that kind of, not even basketball-wise, but as a person, what made you see outside of yourself in your situation? I think subconsciously as kids, we look for different clues. We did, we look for different uh, ways to go if, if, if the where we are isn't the right way. You know, so I lived in the hood, you know what I'm saying? I lived right across the street from a park in which it was everything going on, literally right across the street. So me going in there playing basketball, seeing certain things, there were times where uh, I was in situations that I didn't have to be in, but being at the park, it just it just kind of happened like that, you know. So uh, I think what wanted me, it was basketball, honestly. Like the park, like playing sports is what kept me like grounded. It's like okay, I can do this. Like they're like the kids, this game banging and going crazy. They that's what they're doing, but. I'm playing basketball, football, baseball. My mom, my parents had me in sports. So uh, that was the biggest thing. And then I, once I got to high school, I started seeing different things. My first my freshman year, I went to Beverly Hills High School. You know what I mean? So that was like like the movie that, like the show of uh, All-American. It was almost like that for me. You know what I mean? And once I seen that, it was over. Like my mind, I seen freshmen and sophomores with Porsches and Range Rovers and little Romeo big houses. It was like, okay, I know exactly. I, I see it now. So I know where I'm going, you know? That's yeah. Yeah, bro. Yeah. That, cause that's why representation is important. Whenever you get a glimpse of it, it gives you kind of a palette for, okay. <laughs> My mom did say I could do all things. Now I can see other people that, yeah, they got it too. I can become more in that, in that time though, you know, when you're discovering, you know, the different things that you can do in basketball on the court, at, you know, different things after school, across the street, at the park, and your mom blows the whistle, times to come in. What did that mean? Because for me, I'm like, okay, I had a mom that said, bring your ass inside the house, and I wasn't ready for it. Like, when you're growing in something that you love on the park and heated games with your friends probably, and your mom, like, every time, come in, how was that kid? Like, what did he want to do in that moment? I didn't want to get, I didn't want to. I didn't want to deal with my mom. Let's put it like that. So I would go home, but I she wasn't like uh, overbearing. So I knew that I don't have another chance to go back. Like it wasn't like she. It was just more of a safety thing. That needs time to come home. It's a little dark. Dinner might be ready. It's just it's just time to transition back from outside to get ready for tomorrow. So every day for me was an adventure in terms of figuring out who I am. And my job, I'm the baby boy of four sisters. So it was like that protection factor was there in terms of my mom wanted me to be home. Uh, I was the baby boy. It wasn't like I was the oldest. So I just had to come home and make you ready for tomorrow. It was, it was lit tomorrow anyway. So <laughs> Jerry, like when I listen to you, bro, I, you're, you're the youngest, I'm the youngest. And you know, I kind of had that protection over me as well. But like, it sounds like you took it way better than I did because I was, you know, acting out the different things, staying out late. Like, not trying to be on that because it's like, I, you know, when you grow up in that foundation, it's good, but like you want to break free from that. 
And you talked about some mischievous things, but what do you think, in hindsight, the game of basketball did for you in in terms of, you know, changing from, okay, I'm mischievous to now I can lock in. In terms of at that stage, what did it do for you and who could you, you know, hold on, let me try to think this out because I do think that basketball – as I'm listening and as I'm, you know, thinking of your story, it's more so of just an outlet for you. It's like create creatively wise, like it gave you something as well. What do you think in that time that it gave you that you still use now? Well, basketball changed my life, man. It gave me opportunity to meet other people. Like through basketball, I met my wife and she doesn't play basketball. You know, I had the opportunity to go to Bramble Hills High School and the next year I end up leaving. But the only thing that I got from that looking back is my wife and my son. So something like that is uh, the opportunity that basketball gave me. Had I not been a basketball player, you might not get the opportunity for someone to want you to go to a different school outside of your uh, school district. So that's one thing. It also gave me a way to channel my passion, channel my intensity, channel the anger that I had at that age from let's say my dad leaving, to be honest, like that fired me up. And uh, I was able to use basketball and sports to, to let it out. That was my, cause my mom seen it, it, that messed me up and sports allowed me to use a, 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 as an outlet. So, you know, when I'll say, when you say as an outlet and, you know, a lot of things can be used as an outlet. I just had a conversation with somebody where he was like, music is my outlet, my escape. And kind of parallels, as I'm thinking, using basketball as your escape from what you're going through at home with your father and, and things of that nature. But when you go back, you know, when your mom whistles, come back in the house, it's still on you. It comes back on you, knowing that you still have the power of the Holy Spirit and, and the foundation that you have, but you do have these you know, feelings that you can't shake. And those thoughts become feelings and that feeling becomes a behavior. And then it starts affecting your performance, the thing that you love. You know, how did you kind of work from that moment in that in that age? Because I think if I'm you, you know, a charged background, you know, good family, those type of things, you know, angry all the time, baggage, every step of the way, baggage, baggage, it becomes heavy. You know, kind of just, I'm just thinking if I was you, it's like, okay, I have all this baggage. I'm approved. I'm approved. I'm approved. I'm a go wherever I need to go, whether it's JUCO, then the Arizona State, then the, I'm approved. I'm going to keep ascending because of everything that I've been through. It, it, it's like a, I'm just thinking out, out loud right now, but it's just like, did you, if you were to reverse and connect the dots between who you were then and who you are now, how have you kind of worked through that and channeled it in a different way? Not just kind of fighting, proving, proving, but, you know, using your mind now, using your love for the game, but using your love for life to kind of push you through. Looking back, that young kid, that young kid was just trying to figure it out. You know, he was just trying to figure it out in whichever way he could. Uh, The anger, the passion, it was, it was from the situation, obviously, right? But I felt like Grow Forever was a mantra that I came up with, but it's always been like part of me because I was trying to escape certain things. Like I was trying to get out of the hood. I was trying to uh, find peace within myself, trying to understand why my mom was sick, why, you know, my sister has schizophrenia. You know, it was just so much going on. And uh, I had a couple of good friends that I'm I'm still friends with to this day that uh, had decent situations that I can go to and like, like go to a different environment, you know? Um, man, there was just so much. I never really got a chance to unpack it all until now, but that's why Mind Bloody Podcast is lit too, by the way. No, but uh, is that heavy though? Because it was just uh, figure it out, man. And Grow Forever is the mantra I use today. And I think back from this day to that young kid, and that's all he was trying to do. He was just trying to grow, grow forward, just. My, bro, I was, I was a Section 8 baby. Like, I grew up in the Section 8 housing, so I didn't want to be in that. We had to clean up the house on the weekends, you know what I'm saying? Even though the house is clean already, mom was a little nervous because they coming over, they coming to check the house. Like, little stuff like that, man. You Subconsciously, you don't understand that 
this is not how it's supposed to be. But once I realized that, it was like, okay, I want everything that, I want everything, the real stuff. I want the real, legit life, not the one that they programmed us to have. So that was the that was the driving force right there. Bro, I, I think, you know, whenever uh, uh, a parent is, like, stressed financially, it does cause in the kids psychological stress, and, and, it, and it can, you know, harbor up because you're holding on to that. Then you have the emotional stress and the pain of your own life. And, you know, yes, you have these values, but the beliefs that you're growing is, you know, I can become whoever I want to be, but then you have a belief of the world of, you know, you know, things ain't always sweet. Like shit ain't sweet. And I'm not going through a sweet time right now. And sometimes you got just got to shut up and grind and get it how you live. Like moving off in your story, getting it how you live, it, it got you to a place of you're at a JUCO and then you move on to Arizona State. But if we unpack to the JUCO days, your two years, what do you think JUCO gave you that you didn't have before? Because you already grind in kind of that mentality of, okay, I'm going to put on, I'm going to put on, I'm going to put on. But then you go the JUCO route. What do you think it gave you? Before I talk about the JUCO style, I just want to go right back to around high school. So I was going into my senior season, I was signed to University of Hawaii. So really? I had a D1. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was signed to Hawaii. Uh, I had just got that offer that summer. Uh, signed in Hawaii, obviously ineligible, right? So I had to go the junior college route. So that gave me consistency. So I had a coach. I went to Arizona State. My head coach at junior college named Quincy Brewer, he went to Arizona State as well. 6'4", left-handed. It's a lot that goes into that, right? Uh, role model. I had other offers, but I wanted to go there, right? But my freshman year of junior college killed player of the year, uh, the whole nine, right? I had offers to go leave right away. My coach sits down to tell me like a father figure to me. He says, uh, looking back at your track record, you've never done anything two years in a row. You've never done anything in life two years in a row. You've jumped from school to school. Uh, never had any consistency. I think you staying here will give you that consistency and you can have the comfortability to the year. Uh, that for me was huge because I needed another year. You know, I needed to be under his wing another year. So that's what that gave me. Mind you, player of the year, two years in a row. But you knew that then. You knew that then. Yeah. You knew you needed another year then. You, like, I knew you were the player twice. Like, what? Yeah, I think I think it was the, it was, it wasn't basketball at this moment. Life. Like, it was just like, he was more trying to help me save my life. I was a wild kid. Like, not saying I did anything wild, but I didn't have enough structure to go through life the right way on my own. You get what I'm saying? And I needed that what he gave me to go to Arizona State. And coincidentally, he lost his mom, too. It's just a whole bunch of stuff that I can directly follow his steps in in, in, in certain areas, you know? So uh, that was huge for me, man, going to JUCO. Uh, we went to the championship my, my second year. Uh, we lost in the championship. Shouldn't have lost, but moving on that that juco experience gave me consistency and the love that i guess i needed like the consistent love like i don't know you know bro listening to your story and those that listen you know it, this is why i think that more more faces like you should speak on what they've been through because it's like i see this guy okay let's say he's a basketball player Basically, nothing that you just said was about basketball is about basketball. Your JUCO days where you're the MVP, I have all this stuff on numbers, whatever. You didn't talk about that. It was about, like, your real life, building structure for your life, the man that you're going to become. And just hearing who ha who you've, you know, kind of turned into from where you were to now, it's, it's huge. And I know that as you take that structure to Arizona State, you become – you know, a player there that, you know, on a high major level, something that you've already strived for. And then you, you, you race and you face a tough time in, in 2015 that changes your life, honestly, for forever. And, you know, it's tough whenever, I, again, I read these stories and I, man, it's, I, I 
I couldn't imagine. And to even form a question right now is hard. But if you could walk me through your summer of 2015 and everything that you experienced, what was that time period like for you? Uh, so the thing about me as a kid, what I was saying was, I didn't really do a lot of um, reflecting. You know, I just was going, 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 going. I never got a chance to like analyze, conceptualize, or even compartmentalize what is even happening in my life. But this particular time, you know, uh, after my sing after my junior season, I have I started my junior year. I'm going into my senior season. You know, you do it for these people. You right there. You know, you you've had success in JUCO. You've had the New York Knicks come to your practice, and all you think is, okay, I average eleven and four. 11 and four at uh, my junior year. If I, if I do this, you know, I'm right there. I'm right there. And man, uh, June, June came around, which was my sister's around my sister's birthday. I want to say it was June 16th or I don't know, something like that. She had lupus. She was fighting lupus at the time and she ended up passing in June. And, you know, the grieving process starts. This is my sister. This is my sister. She passed first. And uh, that was a hard thing, me being in Arizona and my family in L.A. I'm trying to do everything, but also try to stay focused on the big picture. So it was a lot that I was juggling emotionally and, like, you know, it was a lot. That happens. As I'm in the grieving process, it goes July, August, September, right before, and then my mom passed. Uh, man. Literally, man, when I got the call from my mom, bro, I just, I just went to sleep, dog. Like, that's all I really can do. Like, that's what happened. Like, that's how it happened for me. I was trying to get home. It's a long story. I don't want to get into that, but that happened. And man, like you said, my life changed forever. My mom told me some things when I was younger, like, uh, when when I leave this space, like. You don't have to come see me in a physical form and don't try to come see me in a physical form. Like I won't be there. But her being 45 years older than me, she prepared me for this moment. Awesome. You know, so it wasn't like I was like, oh, man, what do I do? Like, no, she gave me the tools before, you know, I mean, but there's certain things you just can't prepare for, like the emotional part, the emotional part, the the life without her, the the missing her to this day. You know, what I mean, uh, those things she could do nothing about, but in terms of mentally and spiritually and in my soul, just making me a strong person, man. I think that was her sole purpose. And I just want to give a quick backstory on where my strength comes from. So this is from my parents. You know, my mom, before having me at 45, man, my, my mom and dad met in rehab. You know what I mean? They were both strung out and uh, they both made it through that, got married and had me. And during that time, people were saying, don't have him. You know, you did all of this. He's not going to be, he's not going to, like, there's nothing that can really come out of this, knowing the situation that the two people created. My mom's faith, my mom's belief in who she is and that strength that she had to go from being homeless, being out in the street, strung out, to finding her way, to having a roof over our head, to providing, to making it seem like we had no worries. Mm. You know, that strength alone is the reason why I'm able to still stand tall and go through my life the way I do, no matter what circumstances uh, arise. You know what I mean? So that that's kind of what happened when the, when, the, when the shit hit the fan. When she passed, my sister passed, and I want to give a shout-out to my wife. Man, I've been with her 11 years. She's been with me since 2012. I was in junior college. And she's been with me basically the whole, like the entire time. So that was another thing that I had to lean on was love, you know? So that's my senior season. When we're going into my senior season to answer your question, uh, these are the things that I hung my hat on was the way my mom was, the strength that she, all the tools she gave me, it was like I was ready once the transition happened. And uh, I just dealt with life from that moment forward the best way I could. The best way you could. Jerry, thank you, honestly, for sharing that. I think, man, <laughs> when when someone goes through something like that and, and is able to piece, you know, 
how he felt, why he felt the way he did, you know, give background on his, you know, his family and how his mom prepared him and, and can c- come from that level of, okay, I faced this thing. Yes, it's, it's big and it, it, it really shaped me to this day. But whenever you can articulate yourself and express, it does show that you have done, you know, quite a bit of healing from that. Obviously, when you lose something like that, it, it, it's tough and it stays with you. But, you know, I just, man, I, I really, really, it's like, you know, I, I feel like commending you. And I do, obviously, I commend you for sharing that and commending for everything that you've become. But that's what you really don't know about people in this life. You never know what somebody else goes through. And I I say this and I kind of get upset because of how, you know, moving on later on, we'll talk about it or not. This is jumping everywhere, whatever. They know how I am on this podcast as of late. But like when you're treated that way in Germany, not knowing what this person has actually been through and what he's faced to get here and what I've grinded through to get to this moment, like you have no idea what I've come from, my family life and my background, what I've got to this moment. And for you to treat me like, man, it just has me pissed right now, to be honest. Like, cause I'm like, I think I'm so, first of all, man, I just want to say this moment for me has been one of the biggest moments in a long time because I I don't go to therapy. You know, I do a lot of inner work, you know, and uh, I'm sure my wife gets tired of me growing like she's grow, grown with me through this, you know, and uh, this moment is big for me because of the way that we can be transparent here. And like you said, you go through situations where people don't know what you go through and they just treat you like crazy, you know, like this situation in Germany we dealt with was unruly, man, unruly. And this guy should be whatever. Guy, you know, yeah, it is what yeah. it is, no problem. You know, but like you said, to go through what I've been through and and to deal with people like that, I just look at them like, like that situation to me is nothing, you know? Right. Even though, but it is though, I don't want to be like toxic and say, oh, it's nothing. Knowing that it actually was crazy as hell, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that was out of pocket, crazy out of pocket, the way he did you, the way he did me, the way he went about it, it was unprofessional, you know? But people don't, like you said, people, you never know what people go through. And my message to everybody right now will be, man, treat people with respect, man. Treat people with love. We have nothing else to give here. Like all the anger and insecurities are like the anger that I, the fire that I have inside, I will always try to channel it to positivity. I will always channel it to positivity. I tell my wife that all the time because the, 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 you have good and bad. You can fight either way. But if I was to ever let the ban out from all that I've been through, it would be mayhem. It would be absolute mayhem. And I would never get there, God God willing. But I'm saying that to say that this is why I treat people well. This is why I treat people with love and respect and try to bring the best out of people. I have no ill will towards anybody. I don't have a jealous bone in my body. I'm okay with who I am. I understand who I am. And I think when people get to that point in life that they're able to understand who they are, then they can, then they can give what they have, which is love. But you can't give what you don't have. Even saying that, it's just like, yeah, we don't know what people go through. But again, it sounds nasty, and I'm I'm pissed that I'm God's making me say this. But saying it, it's like we don't know what he went through. He might have been through some tough things, which at home he's just putting on his players. So it's just. It's crazy, but I do want to go back and revert a little bit back to that story. Um, you know, when you hear those in that summer, two months apart, you lose people in your life, you know, obviously figures in your life like that. I guess take me through weeks after, days after, when you have to strap up, lace up to get on a court and play, knowing that everything that just happened. And it's like, for me, I... I have a story in a, in a situation where I lost two cousins. They came down to watch me play Baylor, and, and long story short, they got hit by an 18-wheeler, and I lost them, and I felt that fault. Yeah, and, you know, dealing with that and, and kind of living through that and playing through that, I felt numb. I didn't give a damn about basketball. I didn't give a damn about my life. I didn't give a damn about my relationship. and did everything. But basketball, I don't know, it just gave me – it helped me kind of push through without – kind of dealing what I went through. And then later in Germany, when we did go through those, you know, times, I had to actually stop 
suppressing my emotions and actually go through and, and heal that way. I guess when you had your, you know, that situation happen in your life, kind of how did you walk through? If I'm behind the eyes of Jerry at Arizona State when you're lacing up for the first game after the huge, you know, summer that you've had, you're you're this now this new person, you have to become, you know, someone else. How was that like if you can take me back to that time? It takes me back to the kid days when that kid was just trying to figure it out and get through and basketball and sports was the only thing that would uh give you that escape, you know? So it did that for me again, you know, and that's why the game is uh I always have the ultimate respect and love for for basketball because of what it's done for me. It was it was the people, man. It was the community. Arizona State, you know, my team, the coaches, staff, the community was uh, behind me. And to go to practice every day, to have a schedule to do something consistently was what got me through that year. And my sister that passed, she graduated. She was the first to graduate in college. So my motivation to graduate was because she wanted me to as well. So I had every going. And, uh, yeah, man, it was tough. It was tough. I had darn days. I ended up lashing out a few times, obviously, emotionally, not being able to control myself uh, at some points. What does that look like, though? What When you say that? It looks like, it looks like, that looks like a fight. It looks like a fight. It looks like, uh, uh, let's say, substance abuse. And how do you turn from that then to, to where you are now? Like, what was the change? What was the switch? Because someone listening, me right now, I'm like, bro, that stuff that you've been through, it's like you've always, it's still there. Like, you've always still been through that. How could you shift your perspective? How were you able to change and kind of not look to those things to kind of get you through, but look to, you know, other things, family, life, God, spirit, the game to get you through? Like, what was the switch there for you? Uh, the message, the message my mom left me with, you know, the tool that she left me with, uh, the mantra that I go by now, which is grow forever. Um, my wife loves, you know, I think God loves and, and, and the mentality to grow. I think that was the biggest thing for me. Like I didn't want to be content with where I was, even in my emotional space and my mental space. I knew it was a better place to get to if I worked. So that was something that I was striving for. I didn't want to necessarily, you know, man, people people take things that happen to them and they use it for the rest of their life. You know, yeah. man, my mom died. That's the reason why I'm sitting here. Oh, do, oh, do, oh, oh, my sister died. That's the reason why blah, blah, blah. That's, that's weak. That's weak. I mean, to each his own, maybe, maybe I have a different strength than other people. Maybe some people can't handle it the way that I have and not saying, oh, I'm some strong guy, but maybe God uses me as a vessel to show people that you can't uh, look at it in a different perspective. You can use uh, what was meant to hurt you to, to, to make you propel forward, you know? So hundred uh, percent, it helped me a lot, bro. hundred percent, uh, bro. What you just said is beautiful. Like literally like it's how you see what you went through to, that gets you passing, you know, get, keeps you climbing you know the negative voice wants to beat you down and stay into listening to what you went through you know your circumstance your circumstance but now i'm building and i'm moving past my circumstance to all i am now you have a family you have a son like you're becoming somebody bigger greater because of you know the moments that you went through what your mom gave you what your family gave you to move on i think this is a tough question and i ask this question sometimes but it's i do ask this just thinking on myself, if I remove that experience from your history, you know, losing family members, obviously nobody wants to lose that. What do you think I'd be removing from your character? Hmm. That's a great question. You would be removing me, you know, because uh, everything I'm not made me everything I am, you know. So in that, I mean, me not having them is the reason why I do it for them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like if they if they were here, obviously, uh, it was still I would still have the drive. But sometimes you got to put it in overdrive. Like God wants you to go in overdrive. You know, so that's what that was. You know, uh, the overdrive. Like, it just took me to like, okay, I have to make something of this. 
and I never had much anyway. So it was like to stop would put me any, like I wouldn't be doing nothing. I work, you know, so it gave me the trembling that I needed to go from where I, where I was to where I needed to be. Cause it's not just about me. Maybe I wouldn't do that to help other people in the world. Maybe I wouldn't do this to, to, for my son to see this is what it looks like to go through adversity and to come out on top. Like everything that I do pretty much now is for my son. Like I want him to see that my story is in his DNA. Like mm. you are a warrior. You are a, 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 a king. You know what I'm saying? You are a God. And I want you to understand that and, and don't take it lightly. You know, it's in your blood to, to get through stuff. It's in your blood to, to have that faith. So I think that's what it would, it wouldn't, it would, that's what removing that would do for me. It would take that away. It would take my, that it factor away, you know? So. Yeah, bro. It's, it's like, you know, you use those things. It's basically a perspective switch, switch and a shift kind of like, okay, you know, everything that I went through, whether I like it or not, was for a reason. And God has placed me here to whether I know it or not, to be a vessel and be open for somebody else. That's why I think it's actually really cool that I look on your socials. You're always, again, grow forever, grow forever, but you're inviting people into your life and you're you're showing them what you're doing and then you you have a positive message. Why is that so important to you to showcase your life and everything that you are now? I was going to talk about your son five years later after you know losing your family member. You, you add an, an addition to your family that means so much but before i get to that though just thinking about it creatively like you're you're somebody that showcases your life now in a way that's inspiring whether it's an injury whether it's going to a different country showcasing okay you know a release from this or just showcasing how you grind it and you keep growing growing why is that so important to showcase your growth every step of the way like you've if I'm listening, bro, you've grown. You're growing. Why is it so important for you to keep showing that and showing that and putting that out into the world? Uh, man, great question. Because, man, simple like this. If you're not growing, you're dead. Plants, plants that stop growing, what happens? They die. Right. So ultimately, me showing my life or my, me, the mantra of Grow Forever is basically, uh, my message to continue to grow. Like no matter where you are in life, there's room to grow. There's some place in your life where you can get better, you know? And maybe people don't see it the same way I do, but it's a reminder of me to continue to grow as well. Like I'm on my own ass as if it was two of me. Like it's crazy. You know what I mean? Like it's crazy how like I'm on my own ass, you know? And that's because I I have plans and goals and things that I want to do. And Ultimately, this is part of it, like getting my story out there because maybe you can help somebody. So Grow Forever is a mantra that we can all use. You can be three years old, like young me was trying to grow forever. 29-year-old husband, father of Hooper G is still trying to grow, you know, and I'm sure when I get to 50, 60, I will continue to grow in aspects that may not directly be the same as now, but there's always room for growth. So I think it's very important and imperative that I uh, get that message out there not only for me, but maybe for people that are looking to find ways to grow as well. Grow forever, bro. I think what you just said that I do want to dig in that to a little bit because it's like, yeah, grow forever, grow forever. You're confident. You have the background to do that. The values, the mindset. Now you have a kid that you're pouring into a family, but it's like, what is your thinking out loud? What's your relationship between confidence and ego? Because it's like, if I'm you, I'm like, I'm going to make it out. I'm going to make a way. I'm going to get it. And being, you know, in a high pressure environment as a man in a sport, you know, you got to have that dog in you, like you said, to get you over the level. But now you have a family, you have different things. What is G like now in this day when his ego is out of check? Because I think everybody needs an ego. Ego basically means I. What are you like? when your ego is out of check and how do you kind of hone in the reins and be like, nah, I got to do it for us, what I'm building with my family. You know, the ego is a dangerous thing, man. The ego is a dangerous thing. Uh, my mom used to say, ego means easing God out. E-G-O. Ooh. <laughs> and, uh, it, 
It's tough. She was tough right there. Uh, that means easing got out. So I think it's a it's a it's a thin line between ego and confidence. You know, ego is always a little too much. You know, I think pride is something that I had. Ego would be more on a I'm doing too much side. You know, because it's like, okay, bro, what what your ego versus my ego? Where does that go? Nowhere, yeah. <laughs> I'm a little bit more wise in that area. So I think that the confidence will always be here because the Grow Forever mantra, I put in the work. I go hard in everything that I do. I give everything that I have to the sport, to my life, to my wife, to my son, to myself. So the confidence comes from the preparation, you know what I mean? And how I keep it in check is uh, keeping life in perspective, man. Life is so fragile. Basketball is basketball. Man, I had it can be it can be it can be taken away from me. Life can happen so fast that it's like the best thing to do is just try to stay in the moment, be present in the moment, and uh, love, man, love, 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 love. I think it's, but when you talk about Uber, though, it is what it is. We on that court, that's my that's my that's that's where I'm at with it. When you see me on the court. That's that's everything I am right there. That's no, and it makes sense, bro. Like you're a passionate. When I met you, you're passionate. You talking on in practice, talking on the court, and like in Germany, you're like, who is this? It's honestly like two people that were acting like themselves. I felt like, and, and you were one of them, and just coming like how you were talking, how you talk, because you were honestly my vet, my first ever vet I've ever had. Like that made me comfortable of just being myself. Like, be, don't don't change for these people. Don't change for these folk. And it's crazy that, like, they got us both out of there. Like, for you know, me. I thought about that, too. Like, bro, I remember the first practice. Like, I knew you was a rookie coming from the G. I know how Europeans look at rookies coming from the G. I look at you like, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you beat this. I'm going to help you beat this. So my passion the first day, because I see what's going on, I'm like, yo, let me try to help them right away. Like, there's no need to wait. Like, no need to wait. That initially made Coach look at me in the way that he ruled from that moment and went. The Locking hell? you out the gym and just, bro. That's but, but everything happens for a reason, bro. Like, look, look, a couple of years later, we're here doing a podcast and we get to elaborate on somebody trying to stop God's plan, and it just didn't happen. You know it I mean? didn't happen. Like you've been able to play in Cyprus, Sweden, Italy, France, Germany, France, Latvia, and now where where are you at now? I'm in Poland now. I'm in Poland, Poland now, and I and I think your your career is obviously still trending up, and you deal with different things from that time that I saw you in Bamberg left a tough coach, a, a tough situation to where he just weeded the guys that he wanted out, me and you, and you move on and you play for these different teams. And, you know, in this time period, you're tested again in a in a way that's kind of different from what you were tested like before. And, you know, you're growing in yourself. You're becoming this professional that you didn't see that you were before. And you have a kid and you have your wife and everybody's there and you're you, – you kind of use that outlet off the court, the craziness on the court, whatever, you have the outlet. But now when you're back and you're on the court and you're feeling fulfilled and you're grinding, you're growing, and then you have an injury and you face more injuries, kind of walk me through those times. How were you able to, you know, not only overcome that, but paired with the things that you've been through? Because I think injury gives you that time of pausing. Like you literally have to stop. You suppress, you suppress, you have an outlet, but you have to stop when you're injured and it makes you think and it makes you ponder and it makes you literally look into your life and look at your background and everything that you are at the core. Kind of walk me through that time and what you kind of learned about yourself during your injuries. Man, this takes me back to a question you asked maybe a couple minutes ago about the ego, right? So, Brief story, brief overview. Uh, coming from nothing, starting in Cyprus, getting to BBL, whatever, whatever, Euro Cup, you start to make, start to see success. Start to see success. Start to have a vision of what things should look like or where it's going. And and in some ways, it didn't go that way for me 
for whatever reason, I don't want to go into the details, but I would say the injuries allowed me to hone in on who was in control of, of the situation. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So my first injury was a super random injury. It was a super it was a super random injury in which I had a sciatic nerve damage, which never happens in the world. It was sciatic nerve damage in my basically I had dropped foot, which is a paralysis in my left in my left foot. So my foot was like like this. Yeah, you didn't even know. No. Like I had foot drop. So basically I was out uh maybe four or five months just trying to get my foot back to, to normal. You know what I mean? So I did a whole bunch of tests with that. Fast forward, man, I had two more injuries after that. You know, I go to another team the next year in Limoges. Uh, ended up having right meniscus and left patella. You with me? Yes. That's crazy. And yes. So with that, man, it set me down and it gave me a perspective of understanding that life is fragile. And the first thing I want to do with with this moment was figure out what God is telling me or what this moment is telling me. And I think that it was uh, just be still, be still and control what you can control. I was trying to use my ego to force my way to do things that I felt was for me, you know, but I think ultimately it taught me that what's for you is for you and no man could take it away. And uh, it really just taught me to control what I can control and be at peace with who I am and where I am and not so much look left and right i think that was the biggest thing i bro when i listen to that i as a hooper i totally get what you're saying but for you know kind of breaking that down a little bit you're like you saw yourself as as one way and you said something i, I can't remember exactly how you just phrased it but it's like you're like you're doing it for me for me but it's like outside looking in if they're listening to you and seeing you play now it still looks like the same g you're still playing basketball you're still grinding but you have a different perspective. Like before, it's like, okay, I got to get to this. Okay, I'm at this league. I have this many stats. How do I keep going? How do I keep going? Now it's like I'm playing free knowing God got it. <laughs> like literally God got it. Yes, exactly. I think I think you just said it, man. It's uh, one of those things where like, see, I do so much. Like, like I said, I'm on myself so much. I didn't realize during that time that the pressure that I was putting on myself wasn't good like it was unnecessary because to go from where i was to where i am now i had no control over so to get in a position where now you get something in return you feel like oh now it's kind of me like you know what i'm saying yeah. it is not yeah it's, i think it was god's it was god's subtle reminder saying hold on bro wave the flag is like you're not the guy it's me you know what i'm saying so i'm gonna sit you down we're gonna figure this thing out and I'm going to sit you on timeout, spank a butt, and then go back out there and play. What are you like with patience, though? Because I suck at it. I suck at it. And always, bro, it's like, it's always like injuries for me, too. Like somehow or not playing or they're playing me for no reason. Like, what are you like with patience? How do you, how do you deal with it now? Because. I mean, I'm still a little impatient, man. Facts. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm not. I'm not all together still, man. I'm still working, you know. But uh, I think my son, man, my son gave me the patience. Dude. Like, what can I do when a baby needs me, when my son needs me? Like, you have no choice but to be patient, you know, or when you just want to get through an injury and you just want to get back on the court and it's been a whole year and you go to every game and you're just sitting there watching. All you want to do is just play one more time, you know. You have to go through the process of working and working and being patient and just believing again that my time will come. I'll get a chance to get back on the court. So I was, I was handed a great deal of tests that that just made me like, okay, you can't you can't go to the next level till you pass this test. Can't go to the next level till you pass this test. Whether that's mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, whatever way it goes, you will be at the same place until you pass that test, bro. So that's what God did for me. With the injuries, he just wanted me to shift my mindset to say, you know what? It's not you, bro. It's, it's, it's me. This is God speaking to me. It's not you. It's me. So take your hands off of it and just walk your walk, and I will guide you that way. You know what I mean? So, 
just that's, throws. Not to cut you off, just thinking about it. I'm, I I always go crazy like this off the top, but bro, does that have you thinking like, okay, God, uh, I done deal with a lot. I had drop foot. I was out now two years. I'm coming back. I'm hooping, God. My mind is good, God. I done worked through my family stuff, worked through this hooping stuff. I'm good. Like, does it have you anxious for hopefully the next moment don't come? Like, the ne- like I'm looking for positively now, like. Does it have you thinking that way? Because for me, I'm not going to lie, it does. Like, okay, everything is going a little bit too good right now. <laughs> I don't yeah, need another. I'm content, bro. I'm content. I think that's what all this is giving me, man. I'm blessed. I talked to my dad, obviously. I didn't mention him a lot in the podcast, but I talked to my dad all the time, bro. And he's 70. And every time I talk to him, the main thing he says, every day I get up, it's a blessing. Like, I'm lit. Like, that's the main factor in his life is getting to see another day. So when I hear that, I'm like, wow, like life is so simple. Like life is simple and this and this it's just simple as that. So for me, I try to remind myself to be just happy with waking up, you know what I mean? And and like I'm saying, just being content with who I am now, like to go to practice again to be doing something that I love. My family is healthy. My wife is healthy. My son's healthy. Everything is pretty much okay on the basic level. I think that's what keeps me at, at bay in terms of not not wanting more. Like, if it's meant for me to have it, I will have it, you know? Because the time that I tried to force it, mm. it didn't work. It, didn't, it never worked. Like, it just didn't line up at that time. Obviously, there's different things that go into that, but... Maybe it wasn't the time. So Bro, I feel like well, it's the time that it happened. I'm not going to lie. That just helped me a lot because, to be honest, literally f- for this interview, I have not been content. Like, I've been like, I need to do this, and I need to put his story in a way to, that reaches him. And, like, that, oh, like, okay, you, you've you been doing his research. Literally, look at this paper. Look at this paper. I have another book. I'm looking at something. I'm just like, bro, like, I don't know how to shape it the right way, and I've missed some stuff and i'm like bro just chill like just have a conversation with him be be content like relax like know that god has whatever he said and whatever he flows through you comes from god it ain't you the ego like you said it has me like i gotta do this well do him justice no create a space to where god moves through both of us it's like so it's just bro i, I appreciate you saying that because i literally needed that myself and Oh, yeah, bro. It's divine timing, bro. Think about it, man. Your your intent, your intention is good. That's the that's the main factor in this situation. If you go to anything and go through anything and your intention is good, the outcome will be good. It might not be exactly what you want it to be, but it will be good. It will it will work out in a way that helps you. Like this is helping me more than like I said, I haven't had a therapy session. I, this is one of the biggest moments in my life in my since my mom passed. Literally, I've never done a podcast. I've always wanted to. And uh, think about it. Like, my my young rook that came in from, from, from the Greek. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, is, is, is a vessel to help me get a message out and also, like, just help me get this off my chest, man. It's a beautiful moment, man. And, uh, that's what, like, in this moment, I, I feel God. This moment, I feel yeah. that, you know. That's what it's all about. It's not about uh, the ego, you know what I mean? Because that, because what did you, what does the ego do? He just got out when, when you did exactly what God wanted you to do. Yeah, bro. Oh, yeah, bro. Bro, man, I'm telling you, I'm sitting up straight now because I'm telling you, like. Yeah, let me sit up, man. Yeah, bro, even before this, bro, like, I'm like, we. I literally, you know, I have the day that I had, we had scheduled and I've talked about it on previous podcasts. Like, okay, I'm ready. Like I, I got it exactly. So since it's been some while, I'm like, okay, let me cram in. Okay. Read and, and relearn the story. And like, I know who he is, but I really want to, I'm like, just chill, bro. God's divine time is going to work out. And I did want to go to what you do post again, because you said something about your son growing. And I think it's huge what you've been able to go through, not only with your injuries, having your son kind of walk through as you're rehabbing those type of things. You're growing through that leads me to something that you did post. And it is about growing. It's about, you know, kind of looking at your life from an outside view. It was January 9th, 
what a difference a year can make. He said, doctor said the last time they saw something like this, a soldier was carrying too much luggage and his knee snapped. That literally brought me to tears. The realization that that was my life. A soldier with too much heavy luggage literally made my knee collapse. I believe that perception is everything. For those that may not know my story, this life has battle tested me so many times. My spirit gave me peace through understanding. I understand different now. I understand who I am completely. I understand the energy that you carry is actually with you. I understand that the deepest part of who you are trying to hide is exactly what's showing. I understand that if you don't go within yourself and strengthen yourself, this world will make you question your purpose. But that's the purpose right there, to better understand the small details of what makes you, you grow forever. Man, I, when I listen to that and when I, when I read that, I'm like, that's somebody that, one, he, he goes through a lot, not only his personal life with the baggage, but the baggage of actual injury and has understand, man, is trying to understand why he's been through that. But he's doing the deeper inner work in himself. You said you haven't done therapy, but this looks like someone who's done therapy in some form of fashion, like spiritual therapy is therapy as well. So I'm just, I'm just like, man, grow forever, grow forever. And you put that under all your posts, grow forever. I think. When you look at your life and you're you're growing and you're ascending in this in this stage, you're growing forever. But in that growth, there's tension in that growth stage to where you want to go. And for this podcast, the journey within the climb where we're trying to go, we're trying to ascend, ascend, grow forever. There's tension in that. And there's a mental battle, the inner voice. So when it's you versus you on that canvas, in that ring, overcoming your negative voice, your mind bully, how do you kind of work to hold on to that perspective of growing forever. Like what are the practical steps that you work to overcome your mind bully? Uh, great question, bro. You got some really good questions. I think for me, something that I learned was to be still and accept those moments, you know, because if you try to like mentally run away from them, they'll just come back, you know, they'll be right back, you know? So, one thing that I always tried to do during my injuries when I'm sitting down is uh, ask myself, how do I feel? Or when you know that you feel like that, tell yourself it's okay to feel like that because emotions are literally motions. It's not, it's just moments of time. Like you never be happy. Like people say, I try to be happy. I want to live. I want to be happy. Like that's just an emotion. You know, it's not like a place that you can go, a door that you walk through and you're happy. It doesn't work like that. You know, for me, it was uh, embracing every emotion that happened, you know, whether that's being happy, feeling down, feeling insecure, not knowing if I'll hoop again. Does my wife still, you know what I mean? Like any little thing is like, yeah, yeah. you know, like, so what I did was uh, after going through those moments, I would flip the page. I would flip the page and say, oh, it's going to get better. Oh, this, it ain't no, it ain't no dark at all. It ain't no dark without no light. You know, it can't be one. It's not going to be just one-sided. So it's like, all right, right now it's, it's, it's kind of ugly. It's kind of dark. You know, but it's the, the sun has to come out, bro. Like, you, it has to. Do you feel like you're tricking yourself almost like, okay, like. Yeah. Yes. Yes, you have to. That's the mind bully right there. Because if think about it. If a bully come up to you, what they say about the bully? The bully come up to you, picking on you, picking on you, picking on you. What do you have to do to make the bully go away? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to hit him. Or show them that you're not scared. You feel me? So the moment you do that with yourself, it's the subconscious. It's the subconscious is programmed to think it's going to be this way or it's going to be negative. Like, no, you have good, you have evil, you have right and wrong. Like, I'm going with the right. And even when the wrong come around, I'm going back to right. Even when the doubt come around, I'm going back to faith. You know, so I just try to, because you have that ability when you wake up the next day. You have that ability when you overcome something like that is the answer to your, to your question right there is like, did you die? No, you good. Like there's something really like it's all here, you know? So you have to, you have to overcome the mind bully, you know? And I think grow forever is that is an everyday mantra to say for people that don't like to clean up their house, bro. Shit. And you don't do it today. You got to chance. <laughs> <laughs> we brush your feet. Really? And, and, 
And then you can look at it and say, should I got better today? I grew. You know what I'm saying? Or if you're a person that has a bad attitude and you snappy or you emotionally out of pocket, you have that opportunity in the next moment to to get better at that. And sometimes you got to just do it right now. You got to just get it over with. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like you might be in a place where you're feeling, uh, it's not feeling too good. Like, I don't feel strong. Do some push-ups. Like, do something. Uh, if you, like, do something about it. That's my whole thing. Like, that was the thing that I saw growing up was if there was a problem, my mom found a solution. ASAP. ASAP. It wasn't a, we sit around and no, 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 no. We go get an answer. We go get the money. We go make sure, you know, we go get it. We go get it. We go get it. We go get it. So that's my whole thing now like oh i got knocked down bet we're going to get we're going we still going for it whether whether we get it all the way there we going we're we going and we growing bro we going and we growing grow forever bro i know uh, honestly your mom and your sister they're they're literally smiling down at you know not only who you become but who you are as a person bro i think honestly everything that you said right there it literally helped me it's honest to god truth like Help me sit a little straighter. Like, okay, that is true. That is true. And yeah. even that, like, you know this, you're such a motivated person, but, like, it takes somebody else. Like, God works through people, and I know that he worked through you to not only me, but everybody listening to this. So, honestly, bottom of my heart, bro, I appreciate you being on the Mind Believe oh, sure. oh, Let me clap that with you. Appreciate it, bro. Love, love. Sure, bro. Let's uh, stay tapped in. Yes, sir. I got you, Dan. Thank you so much for tuning into this very first episode with this great guest. If you like anything that you heard, any content out of this very episode, do me a favor. The link's below. I always wanted to do that as well. Subscribe, comment, tell me what you thought about the episode and share what you would like to hear on this platform in the further episodes. More to come as we climb. Beat the hell out of your negative voice. For more, subscribe, rate, and review. Thank you so much. means more than you could know for you to watch this episode. Peace and love. Boom.